was just thinking the other day, you're not getting your usual winter break to Guatemala. Guatemala. I really miss it. Uh, it's been a while. They are starting to take visitors in San Lucas. Oh, they are? Uh, they announced that back in November. I don't know if they put that back on hold again. Sure. It, it Latin America was really lagging far behind on vaccinations. And then in general, and I can't say each specific country, but in general, they've done very well in the last couple of months. Mm. Uh, San Lucas has opened for some of their visitors uh, to the mission. Sure. I wasn't ready to go this year, and I'm not sure if our if our country includes it or what happens when you come back. So I, I didn't even research it. Yeah. But maybe, who knows, maybe another year. Seems, yeah. Yeah, it seems like a... A little too much at, at this point. Well, we have to plan so far ahead. I start usually in September to go in February. Well, good thing they bring the coffee to you here. Yeah. You still get a little slice of Guatemala. It, it comes, in fact, uh, it comes by way of Minnesota. Minnesota? Yeah. You know, everybody knows that Minnesota is a, a famous coffee-growing state. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, um, that was where Father... That, yeah, or what was his Father, name? Father Greg Schaefer was yes. from Minnesota. Yes. So before he died, he turned over the running of the mission to what's called the Friends of San Lucas, and they are headquartered in, in Minnesota. It's a really good organization, well-planned. He he really planned well uh, for after he was gone. He was a beloved <laughs> priest, a beloved shepherd to the people there in Guatemala. And he was Guatemala. like their pastor like 49 years or something. And we thought you were here forever. Yeah, I know. So. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to the 23 Podcast. Michael here. Hey, speaking of Minnesota, I was just telling Father, I ordered... Oh, yeah. This the, is funny. The most simple package. You know, just the replacement water filter for my refrigerator. And, and it, I didn't know you are supposed to replace that. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I do. And uh, they, uh, they got it to Ohio. It came from Indiana. They, it came to Ohio. And then, you know, on the tracking on my FedEx... At, oh, I shouldn't have said their name. On the carrier app yeah the, not not ups yeah <laughs> <laughs> um you know you can see where it is at so it came to ohio and then started on a western excursion it headed to illinois nebraska montana they made it to oregon made a pit stop in utah came back through colorado and now I think I'm supposed to get it today. That is pretty scenic. It really, it's like it, an, on an Amtrak if, I train. It, I wonder if it went to national parks in Montana. Maybe stopped at Glacier for a little bit. See if it got a little stamp in its national park passport. <laughs> I'll have to check it when it gets there. I told Father, I wish I was as well traveled as my water. This this better be the best tasting water for the next few months. Anyway, oh, okay. here we are. We are still in chapter four of Luke's Gospel, we which are. is very exciting because. I did a big build-up last week. I said, it's part one of two. You did. And last week was the, the rejoicing, and the, this is not so rejoicing. The it, people did not respond well. Yeah, so the, last week, Jesus, if you remember, he unrolled the scroll, read from the passage of Isaiah, and he said to the people in the synagogue, today in your hearing, this passage has been fulfilled, which is really the mic drop moment. Yeah. He, and, he dropped the microphone that wasn't invented they, yet. They don't use a microphone in a synagogue. <laughs> Sat back down. But today, this is the this is the next part. 
Okay, and it's not a long bed. Oh, it's longer than I thought. I, I'm going to let you read the first part because I want to read the part about throwing him off the, the brow of the hill. Well, there you okay. go. You just ruined it. I know. They, they already know. I will, I will come. Indeed, I tell you. Okay. That's where I start in. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus began speaking in the synagogue saying, Today this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing, and all spoke highly of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They also asked, Isn't this the son of Joseph? He said to them, Surely you will quote me this proverb. Physician, cure yourself, and say, Do hear in your native place the things that we heard were done in Capernaum. And he said, Amen, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own native place. Indeed, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was closed for three and a half years and a severe famine spread over the entire land. It was to none of these that Elijah was sent, but only to a widow in Zarephath in the, in the land of Sidon. Again, there were many lepers in Israel during the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When the people in the synagogue heard this, they were filled with fury. They rose up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which the town had been built, to hurl him down headlong. But Jesus passed through the midst of them and went away. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Just a couple of weeks ago, I think right at the end of the Christmas season, uh, Father Jeff, Father Jeff Rose, went to his home parish to cover Masses on a weekend. Mm -hmm. And... He sent me a little note, and he said, uh, I'm always worried about Luke 4, 29, <laughs> which is the passage. You know, in your native place, they they bring you to the brow of the hill to throw you. And or I think he used the word cliff. And so I sent a text back to him, and I said, I didn't know. Should I say the name of his hometown? Adrian. I didn't know Adrian <laughs> had any cliffs. Just one of them. He said there's one, but it's a little ways out. Uh, <laughs> Well, I, I, he came back intact, so apparently they didn't throw him over he must the, have, the brow of the hill. He didn't make them too upset. My mother was always worried about me coming home to be pastor of my home parish. Now, I, I kept telling her, that's not going to happen. That doesn't happen a lot. It does occasionally, and sometimes they're very proud of their native son. Many times, not so much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or they're, it, it's, it's best when your parents are no longer living or at least not living in that town, uh, because it's that close association. You know, like uh, even here with Jesus. Well, isn't this Joseph's kid? Yeah. Uh, so they, they they think they know you before they know you. They get, I, I do love that. That's, that's such a, sometimes, you, you know, you always live in the association of your parents, you know, especially in, in small town well, life. Yeah, and if, if they saw you growing up, I remember... Uh, one of my class reunions, me, uh, talking to one of the women that I had gone to grade school with, and she turned out to be highly successful and everything, but in school she was pretty quiet and probably, and I don't mean this negatively, but kind of in the shadow of her friends. Mm. But as an adult, she was, could shine on her own. She was very successful. And I think she was afraid that people would remember her the way she was in school not the way she was now. Mm. And for Jesus, 
you know, coming back to Nazareth, he went into the synagogue. The people all said, well, we're impressed with what he's saying, but how could he be really anything special because we know him? You know, it's interesting that we put so much stock in our reputation or who we are in our formative or, years. Or, or maybe we don't, but other people do for on us. Well, and I think I was reading the other day, they were talking about, you know, the music that you grow up with for you, for each individual becomes the most iconic music in your lifetime. It's because, the soundtrack. Yeah. Right. It, it's because that's when your brain is, is developing it and you have so many um, formative memories associated with the music of well, that time. I was really, really struggling about two months ago when 60s on 6 Uh-oh. on the Sirius channel. Did it become Christmas music? No, but oh. they, they moved it to a different number. Well, it's that no doesn't longer work. 60s on 6. <laughs> and now it's like 73 or something. That they, makes zero they sense. They gave you some warning, so they had to change it. It's no longer 60s, uh, the music of the 60s on channel 6. That's terrible. Now it's called the, the, golden, the golden hits of the 60s or something like that. Uh, <laughs> But, oh, that was t- hard to handle. There's going to be a lot of people that have a hard time remembering <laughs> that. You should talk to somebody about that. Well, uh, I have no idea why they changed it. That's not not my job. But but uh, I listen to the 60s because I know it. Yeah. The uh, same thing is true with church music. People will say, why don't you ever sing? And then they'll come up with something. And I can almost say, oh, I know your age by what you're saying. Yes. You know, why don't you sing some of the St. Louis Jesuit songs, uh, Be Not Afraid or something? Sure. uh, Besides at funerals. Right. And that means they probably grew up in the 70s, maybe 80s. Uh, The, you know, uh, the songs of Marty Hagen and David Haas and Michael Jonkus, that's pretty much the 80s and the 90s. Yeah. So it's different uh, church songs for different eras, but we all have a special place in our heart for those songs, but we also have associations. What's interesting, though, is that what I was thinking about this is that, you know, we we talk about who that person may have been in high school or grade school, but you are not you are not the person that you were in high school. I am not the person I was in high school. Hopefully we've matured and grown and developed into better people. Uh, so it's easy to take like a snapshot of somebody's life and then try to apply that to their adulthood, it doesn't necessarily work. And so Jesus takes it another step, yeah. however. And he's basically saying, because you guys are not open, uh, I don't think he uses the word obtuse, but he's basically saying, you guys are so obtuse. Yeah. You're, you're, you're solid closed. There's no opening in you. <laughs> and, then, and then he gives the, the example of Elijah and Elisha, the two great prophets. Elijah's... Elijah, E-L-I-J-A-H, had a disciple, Elisha, mm-hmm. or Elisha, some people say. Well, then it, I always tried to pronounce it Elisha so that people don't confuse the two. Sure. But they were both, they were both biggies. So uh, he talks about Elijah, and there were plenty of widows, but it was the widow of Zarephath, a foreigner. Yeah. And the same thing with Elisha. There were plenty of lepers, but it was Naaman the Syrian, and they never liked the Syrians. So this so, is why people were getting a little... Yeah, because he's saying, you know, God doesn't stick with your your own little mind. You're all about boundaries always. I mean, we do this nowadays. I mean, we do it all the time. Oh, they're from a different country, or they're from south of the border, or they're from north of the border, or they're from one of those countries in Africa, or whatever it might be. We, we create all kinds of boundaries. Mm-hmm. And 
Jesus is making it really strong. Just because you're on this side of the border doesn't mean you understand what's going on. In sure. fact, sometimes you're more closed because you think you know and you don't know. And so the, the Spirit of God worked with the Syrian or the widow from Zarephath. Which they, they wouldn't have liked that God favored the people that they don't like. Oh, all, of, all the time. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You know what struck me as we read this? That, so they got really mad. They rose up, tried to drive him out of town, led him to the brow of the hill on which their town had been built to hurl him down headlong. And then that last line, but Jesus passed through the midst of them and went away. I've heard this many times, but what, what I realized is, did you, you read that. As you were reading it, they forgot what they were angry about. They were just angry at that point for the sake of being angry. And the person that they were really angry at, they lost their focus on, and he slipped in the, through the midst of that, them. That's a, that's a cool way of looking at it. So and, it's like and, it escalated, and they, they forgot what even made them mad in the well, first so, place. Have you noticed a lot of people are just plain angry? Yes. It's, it's angry anger that's sort of waiting uh, for whoever comes by might be the recipient of the anger. It could be the person at the store because you're trying to buy something. And I was at uh, Rite Aid one day. This was a couple of years ago, but I was at Rite Aid waiting to purchase something, and there were three or four people ahead of me. Yeah, and there was the woman was uh, checking us out. No problem, that happens. And suddenly, the guy right in front of me—I mm-hmm. don't know what he said, but it's pretty loud. And like, I can't, I can't wait anymore. And he took the stuff in his hands, just walked up, set it on the counter, and walked out the door. Hmm. So he never got it. Yeah. Well, it was immediately after that, an- another store employee came and opened the other cash register. And then the line divided between two, and I was out of there within moments. Yeah, I was probably out before that guy even got out of the parking lot. Mm-hmm. But he got—he was so filled with anger and impatience. But he, the end result was he didn't get what he wanted. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's not like he walked out without paying. He left the stuff behind. It was a lose-lose. It was a lose-lose. But he was probably looking at his watch. He was impatient. Maybe he was angry at himself that he didn't give himself enough time. Who sure. knows what was really going on? Well, and we all have moments where we lose our cool, right? You do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, you see it so often. Yeah. Um, we, we all have those moments. Uh, but I think in, in some ways we have we have to remember, too, that we don't really know what somebody might be going yeah. through that day. Well, you know? it's also the other thing. You know, you said they were anger, angry and forgot who they were angry at because Jesus kind of walked away. But it was also like people don't want to hear something. You know, people do that. They, uh, Even adults sometimes, they put their hands in their ears and they, la, 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 you know, like, <laughs> I'm going to make noise so I don't hear what you're trying to tell me. That's what you do when I come in each morning. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you bring me coffee and then I might say, okay, I'll listen to you for a little bit. At least I feed you. Yeah. Well, last week I also said, look at the second reading. Because oh yeah, we we uh, we talked about the continuation from first, Corinthians first last Corinthians. week, and it was chapter twelve last week. The body the body has many parts, but it's one body. Mm-hmm. Now this week it's uh, that famous passage that's often used at weddings: uh, "Strive eagerly for the greatest spiritual gifts, but I shall show you a still more excellent way." So that first line: "Strive for the greatest spiritual gifts." And they talked about gifts in the city of Corinth. They always talked about charisms. Mm-hmm. Uh, the word, you know, we talk about somebody being charismatic. Charism simply means a gift. Mm. Uh, 
So they had their gifts, the gift of teaching, the gift of prophecy, the gift of interpretation of prophecies, the, the gift of leadership, the gift of discipleship. There were many gifts. Okay. Uh, a gift of healing. He says, so strive for them, but, I'll, but I'm going to go beyond that. And that's when he says, but we have to have love. So if I speak in human or angelic tongues, do you speak in angelic tongues? No. I didn't know angels had tongues. No. <laughs> uh, of course, the word tongues means vo uh, voice uh, or language. But do not have love. I am a resounding gong or clashing cymbal. We talked about that. I told you I was going to get a gong for this week, and you said no. No. Okay. So I returned it. If I have the gift of prophecy, again, one of the gifts, and comprehend all mysteries and all knowledge. Wow. I don't know anybody who comprehends all mysteries except God. And if I have faith so as to move mountains, I mean, these are all hyperbole. These are uh, like over-the-top type things. But do it without love, then I'm still nothing. Right. So He that, always brings it back, right? Yeah. It's, the, it's the contrast of yeah. both. And, and remember, we read this usually at weddings, talking about love between a man and a woman or a husband and wife. Mm-hmm. But the reality it was written about love in a community. Mm. You have to respect the other people who are sitting in the pew next to you or in front of you or the crying baby two rows behind you. So what, we really needed St. Paul to write this a lot earlier so Jesus could have read this to the people in the synagogue that tried to drive him out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> too little, too late, St. Paul. Love is patient. Boy, do we have much patience these days. Love is kind. Yeah, some people are kind by nature. Some people work at it. Love is, then these are the ne negative ones. Love is not jealous. Love is not pompous. Oh, I love that one. Not to be confused with, confused with puppus. Yeah, <laughs> love is not puppus. Uh, <laughs> love is not inflated and it's not rude. I, I think what he's basically saying, love is oriented towards the other person, not about yourself. Mm-hmm. Love does not seek its own interest. Okay, so the whole thing goes on. and But then let me get down to the bottom because the part that uh, goes beyond what we read at weddings. Love never fails. If there are prophecies, there will, they, will, they will be brought to nothing. If tongues, they will cease. If knowledge, it will be brought to nothing. For we know partially and we prophesy partially. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. You want to read that next line? I love that. It just fits you. <laughs> I see what you're doing here. When I was a child, I used to talk as a child, think as a child, reason as a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. At present, we see indistinctly as in a mirror. But then face to face, at present, I know partially. Then I shall know fully as I am fully known. So faith, hope, love remain, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And once again, if, if you don't hear all of this read at the church you attend, it, attend because there is a long form and a short form that the, the presider can choose to have the lecture read. You know, I didn't, I didn't even think about the fact that this was included in the second reading. This is what we were talking a few minutes ago about. You are not necessarily just who you were as an adolescent, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is a, a strong connection. Uh, but when I was a child, I used to think as a child. When I grew up as an adult, I still think as a child. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately for some people, that's, I've, I was talking to a man, oh, maybe a month ago, and that was the thing. He kept saying, well, when I was in grade school, I learned this. 
And I wanted to say, but you're now 65 years old. Have you learned anything since then? Yeah. I have an embarrassing story, but I'm going to say it because it ties in well. Okay. So in my high school yearbook, my senior year, uh, there was a page where I was given the opportunity to provide a inspiring quote to leave behind in the yearbook as a sure. adolescent entering adulthood. And you wrote? Oh, gosh. I can't. I'm, I must have thought it was funny at the time. But the quote under my picture says the the following. Eagles may soar, but weasels don't get sucked into jet engines. (laughs) (laughs) How awful is that? That's so embarrassing. That's awful. I don't even know why I put that in there. I I think I thought it was funny. But in hindsight, now looking back at it (laughs) as a man... I think I was saying it's better to be a weasel than an eagle. And I disagree with that statement, that sentiment. (laughs) You know, I need to digest that maybe by the next podcast, (laughs) but I'll have a different podcast. I've never told you that story. No, I'll have, I I will have a different podcast partner for the next Uh, one. (laughs) I'm going to look for an eagle, not a weasel. No weasels here. (laughs) Yeah. I, I'm horrified that that's in print. Absolutely horrified. And nobody among our six people that listen knew that till now. Yeah, I, I'm almost said that I brought it up, but it's the perfect example, right? I thought that was great when I was 18. Now I'm so sad that it's Isn't in that, Is that, that in the category of when I was a child? Yeah, I hope so. Even at 18? Yeah. Oh, you're still a child, right? You probably still think don't, I'm don't, a child. Don't, don't say that to a, an 18-year-old. That's true. I won't. I won't. By the way, folks, uh, Michael was 19 when I hired him. <laughs> I really came around. No weasel was I. All right, weasels. Let's have a great week. It's been a joy talking with you. Let's turn into an eagle that loves this week. And watch out for jet engines. (laughs) 